Praise the Lord, everyone. Praise the Lord. It's good to have you online tonight. If you will like, share, and comment, I would so appreciate it. I'm here with the great elder, Brother Carl Van Davis. I love this man of God. He's one of my favorite people on the planet. And um, I'm thankful for him and his voice in, in our lives. Um, I, I want to uh, just come to you tonight. Uh, I, I am excited about this series that we have in the book of Daniel. Um, we, uh, Brother Carl and I met this week. Uh, uh, we, we spoke and we have made a decision. And I think it's the righteous decision and a good decision. Um, so what we're going to do is that we're going to reset. Last week we talked about Daniel chapter 2. And we're going to talk more about Daniel chapter 2 tonight. But we're going to kind of reset the way that we're going to approach this. So how we're going to approach this is that we are going to segment this. So tonight we're going to cover Daniel chapter 2 and Daniel chapter 2 only, right? We're going to cover, we're not going to wander into Revelations or chapter 7 or, or anywhere else. We're not going to go to Isaiah. We're going to stay right here in Daniel chapter 2. And then next week, we will be in Daniel chapter 7, or in a couple weeks, we'll be in chapter 7. Next month, we'll be in chapter 7, right? And we'll take chapter 7, and we'll digest chapter 7 only, right? And then we'll go to 9, 11, and 12. We'll probably put 11 and 12 together. But I want you to understand that we're going to build like a scaffolding. We're going to build like setting plates on top of each other. And then at the end of that, we're going to then connect Daniel to Revelations. So we'll take a couple weeks in connecting Daniel, all that you've learned. I don't want confusion to come. And because of its uh, great complication, and because Daniel is a vision, and it's very fanciful at times, and it's very, um, uh, you know, wow, uh, where does that come to beast, and all the stuff that is talked about. We need to focus in so we understand what those are. Because the four beasts in Daniel connect to the four beasts in Revelations. Um, but we'll get to that and we'll connect that after you have learned about all of the visions of Daniel concerning the last days. There are other authors that we are, are not covering. I mean, we can talk about David and Isaiah and we can talk about all these other authors that talk to us and prophesy about the last days and the end times. So uh, it's not just Daniel, but Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, um, I, I, I hope that you will um, let me uh, just uh, pull this up and I'm going to uh, let Brother Carl begin tonight as I do this. But I, I hope that you will see the benefit of segmenting this. So you'll keep notes and you'll know, okay, here's Daniel chapter 2 and then here's Daniel chapter 7. And then at the end of 12, we will then begin to have a combination of how this fits into the problem with Daniel is that people have a hard time digesting how it fits into the uh, New Testament and the book of Revelations. So we want to show you, but we want you to have the fullness of uh, these uh, chapters and the visions that Daniel had. Remember, all of these chapters that we're covering are covered from a position of Daniel did not know the end of the story. Daniel did not know the meanings of all of his dreams and his night visions. So Daniel comes to us in this pure, raw form that God is speaking to him through these visions, and he's just writing them down. 
right? And he's presenting them to us. And then it's up to us to be a discerner, right? A discerner of the Holy Spirit, discerner of the spirits, and to read this and rightly divide the word. Because Daniel did not have Revelation as a reference, right? He did not have Jesus in Matthew 24 as a reference. Daniel just wrote what he saw. And this is what he saw. So we are going to uh, just uh, walk accordingly. So I hope that makes sense to you that we're going to segment these two, seven, or yeah, two, seven, nine, eleven, and twelve, and then we're going to have a bridge to uh, to revelations. And that's where we'll say, okay, here's some elements we talked about: the four beasts. Brother Carl, how does the four? Don't tell me tonight, but how does the four beasts relate to the end times and our prophetic word in Revelation? Right, And then Brother Carl and I will talk and he'll show us. And how is the great whore, right? Uh, and which whore is it, right? We've got three whores uh, that we're dealing with. One whore. Right. Right of Christ. And... Right, right, right. Okay, yeah. I'm sorry. Three, three women. That's what it looks like. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, but not three whores. Um, but um, uh, I get carried away. <laughs> but anyway, so we want to uh, just make sure that we have understanding. Get you understanding. We're not here just for information. We want God to give us understanding. Everybody shout amen. amen. Are you believing the word tonight? Okay, so Brother Carl is going to dive in and then I'll take over after that he has spoken just for a few seconds or a few minutes. And last night I got another analogy. Okay. That you got to speak last now. week we reached up on the shelf and we pulled down a thousand piece puzzle. puzzle. Yeah, that's a good way And we it. looked at the box and yeah. the picture and said... Ooh, this is tough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're going to open up the box, dump it on the table, and start flipping pieces over and talking about those pieces. And, and, and one then, of the things we can't do is get one piece and say we've solved it all. Yeah. Right? We can't look and say, oh, look at this scripture. This is all, this is, you know, and a lot of people do that when it comes to prophetic things, is they, they grab a piece or two and think they've got it all figured out. When you need the entirety. Everybody say the whole word. The whole word of God. Brother Carl. All right. So last week, go ahead and flip that, brother. Last week, we talked about King Nebuchadnezzar's dream that Daniel interpreted in chapter 2. Right. You will recall that the dream had an image of a man with arms and breasts, or with a head of gold, with arms and breasts of silver, belly and thighs of brass, uh, feet, legs of iron, feet of iron and clay. And they represented the Babylonian Empire, right. as we see it, the Median Persian Empire, the Greek Empire, the Roman Empire, and what, we, what I suggested and what I think the pastor agrees with is the Holy Roman Empire, the yes. creation of the church and state that existed back then. And of course, this will all take place in the latter days, mm -hmm. yes, according exactly. to what was told Daniel. And then we focused on the feet. We proposed that the iron and the clay union was the state church, uh, the, the marriage of the state and church. Right. And the government was trying to maintain power by making Christianity the only religion in Rome right. for the purpose of control. Right. Constantine was a Roman emperor, 
emperor in 306 to 337 AD. And it was said of him that he saw in the sky a cross and the words, by this sign shall ye conquer. And Constantine is the originator of the religio-political ideology, which right. epitomizes the unity of the church and state as opposed to the separation of church and state. Right. And uh, this, of course, was carried on by the Catholic Church, uh, Leo III, who crowned Charlemagne emperor in Rome. And that's all I want to say, Pastor. Oh, okay. I'm handing it to you. So the interesting part about Constantine, even though he was uh, one the first and considered the Holy Roman Empire, is that Constantine waited till his deathbed to be baptized. His deathbed. Because he wanted to sin as much as possible. Oh, gosh. Didn't know that. <laughs> as much as possible before he died. And it was like two days or three days before he actually died that they took him and they baptized him. They sprinkled him, as in the Catholic tradition. But they, they baptized him to be, uh, to be fully saved. And it was said of Constantine that he lived this horrific, unbelievably sinful life. But he, he was proud of the fact that he waited to the last minute and uh, to be saved. So he was uh, not baptized until the very, uh, the very last moment of his, uh, of his life. So uh, I just find that so interesting. It shows you how that um, we are <laughs> the flesh. Everybody say the flesh. The flesh. Oh, the flesh loves to mess with us, doesn't it? Amen? Someone say amen. <laughs> so Daniel, the book of Daniel, has been uh, an intriguing study for all of us. And Brother Carl talked uh, briefly. You were very brief tonight. Wow. Um, and uh, about this. So I want, to, I want to go systematically through this, okay? So if you have a pen or you have something, uh, you want to write this down, you want to, uh, to see this here in the book of Daniel. I love this slide here in the book of Daniel because it has... It has those elements, uh, especially the, the, what Daniel saw that Nebuchadnezzar had dreamed about the great statue, the statue that represented the, uh, all the, the time frames, um, and we're going to talk about that for just a moment. Now, here I have a complete image of Daniel, uh, of uh, the image of Nebuchadnezzar's dream here in this particular picture. And I want to point out to you that Nebuchadnezzar had this dream, right? And he could not find anybody to reveal it to him. And remember that he fleeced them and said, look, I'm not going to tell you my dream. If you know what my dream is, you should tell me what my dream was. And he went about to kill all the soothsayers and all the, the he was so angry. And that included Daniel, by the way. He was, he was on the hit list as well. And so Daniel pleaded with them, went to them, said, don't kill us all. Don't kill, let me have some time. And so we can see that Daniel had this epiphany of, of knowledge that came to him by the Lord Jesus Christ, by Jehovah God, because the Lord wanted to use Daniel in this way. Interesting, this is chapter two. This is the first vision that Daniel ever, ever saw and interpreted. I want to say this to all of you, those watching that there is a time where you must obey God's gift inside of you. Hear me today. 
and use that gift for interpretation, for tongues and interpretation, for being used of the Spirit. Too many people are afraid of failure and they miss out in gifts. The gifts are always, listen, I am a pastor and yet I have elders that stand by when I would prophesy and see whether it was truth or if it was my flesh, right? They try the Spirit. Why? Because that's what the Word of God says. Everybody say amen. And so we're going to follow God's Word. So we're not just letting everybody get up and start prophesying to each other. That's called confusion and it's also called witchcraft. Um, because God does not work like that. That's not how he works. He doesn't work in, 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 in ways that are confusing. God is not, the, the scripture implicitly says, God is not the author of confusion. Can I get an amen? amen? So we can talk later about how do we know that it's from God? Well, I'm going to tell you something. When you hear uh, the word of God in this building, and you know Brother Adarosia is, is speaking forth, we all, number one, trust Brother Adarosia. We know him. He's labored among us, number one. I don't listen to people that I don't know. They may be the greatest prophet to ever live, but if I don't know them and have tested their spirit, I'm not listening to them. Why? Because I'm, I'm not going to out, go outside of the bounds of the Word of God. It says to know them that labor among you, right? So there is a, an absolute for that and for your spiritual safety. So I don't listen to all, you know, these people that prophesy on Facebook. I think they're of the devil. Um, and that's just me. But that's not just me. It's the Bible. It says... To beware of false prophets. It says to beware of those that take money, right? To prophesy over you, right? Sow a seed. How many have ever heard that phrase? Um, and, and if you sow a seed, I'll give you a word. Well, that's, that's spiritual wickedness. That's, that's exactly what the, the, the apostles dealt with with a sorcerer on his way trying to buy Jesus and tell him, look, give me what you got and I'll pay you for it, right? This is not... This is not the way God works. God gives free gifts. Everybody say amen. amen. But he gives us things, uh, steps of authority in our lives to help us understand whether it's from God or from bad pizza last night. So uh, I want you to be aware of, of what God is doing in your life. You need prophetic utterances in your life. Seek them. Paul said, seek ye the what? Best gifts, right? So you need that word in your life, but you don't need it from, from not from God. <laughs> you don't need it from, from people that are just talking uh, because they think they know you or they've heard a, a whisper about you and they have, oh, right? So um, be careful. Wow, that, was, that, that wasn't in chapter two, but that came out of me, right? Um, because it's important. So we can look here real quick. A head gold, Nebuchadnezzar. He was speaking to Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, chest and arms, silver, the Medo-Persian Empire, the belly of bronze, the Grecian Empire under the Grecian Empire under Alexander the Great. I want to denote that historically, um, this is not the Grecian Empire in its entirety. It's the Grecian Empire in, in under the authority and uh, the um, the kingship of of Alexander the Great. Uh, legs of iron, that is Rome. Rome, as in Rome, Rome. Rome, the conquerors, Rome, Caesars and Augustus, uh, Caesar Augustus and Nero and all those emperors, right? I'm talking about that Rome, the Roman road. That's what we're talking about here. But then we talked, just as Brother Carl just spoke, about the feet and toes, the strong and weak governments of the end time. This is uh, a sign of its mixture of, of clay and iron. And it says and shows us 
that, that we mix two different things. One that is weak and one that is strong. One that has a, a weakness about it and one that is, it has the strength of an army, right? And we know that the, uh, the Holy Rolium, the Holy Roller, <laughs> the Holy Roman Empire um, uh, is what we believe uh, is represented here. Uh, the Ten Toes, uh, we could talk about the Ten Toes. Uh, that we, we could talk about their meaning, and we, we can do that at a later time. Um, uh, we can talk about whether it's the European Union. We can talk about all kinds of stuff there about the Ten Toes. But uh, I, I'm not going to get off into all that just this evening, right? So, Holy Roman Empire. How is it different than the Roman Empire? Does anybody remember? In that it mixed the church, right? I don't want you to confuse Jesus with the church here, right? Because Jesus had nothing to do with what was going on, right? We're talking about Constantine. We're talking about all of these emperors that were then anointed by the Catholic Church and they ruled Rome by the church. So it became a theocracy, right? So now we're ruling people not by the Roman decrees, right? We're now ruling because Constantine converted, right? He was baptized on his deathbed. He saw the, in, in, in the, the cross in the sky and said, go conquer. I think that meant to go conquer your own self and your sin. But anyway, um, I, I, we can see that uh, this is what happened. So they married the church, right? The church. They used the cross. They used Jesus. They used Mary. They used all of the apostles, right? I personally have stood in a um, in a temple in uh, in Guatemala. In, I'm sorry, in San Salvador, in 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 South America or Central America, and um, I have stood there. Um, and I've also stood in Nicaragua. I've been in three separate synagogues, uh, or cathedrals rather, not synagogues, cathedrals that were so interesting to me. And you can visit them today. One sits on the edge of Lake Nicaragua. Um, uh, it's the only freshwater body in the world that has a large population of sharks in it. And uh, it's a very interesting lake. Um, a lot of expats live there on Lake Nicaragua. <laughs> um, it's a beautiful place, but there's this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful cathedral there. But if you walk in on one side, you will see all of these. They look like gargoyles and demons. They look all, they're distorted. And they're, uh, they're, they're so grotesque on this one side. And then this other side has, you know, Mary, James, John, Peter. It has all of the, the, the typical disciples that you would see in a church or especially in a Catholic church. And so I'm standing there and I'm going, this, this is very odd to me, right? The first time I've ever been, this is the third time I've gone, I'm noticing a pattern here in, in Central South America that uh, is having this. And so I, I, I asked the tour guide, I said, what, you know, why is, who are these? Who are they? He said, those are the gods of the natives. So when the Catholic Church came here, in order to appease them, we built temples with their gods and our gods. And we built them side by side so we could get them to come into church and hopefully we could convert them. And what happened was the invention of things like the Day of the Dead happened, right? Which combines, right, uh, uh, Catholic doctrine and witchcraft. And it, it's, it's a, a, a local uh, tradition, 
and it's something that happens um, in the country of Mexico. It's, it's mostly, if not wholly, totally, something that is central to um, Mexico's uh, culture. And um, I'm not saying people that celebrate the Day of the Dead, uh, that they even now know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that they're now demonic, and please don't, I'm simply saying in the beginning, this is how this all happened, that it was a com combination. And that's what happened here when they combined the cross and the Holy Roller, uh, the, the Roman Empire. I've got some Holy Rollers going on in my mind. I'm, I'm, we got some tongue talkers in there somewhere. Uh, they were in the upper room, amen? <laughs> but uh, that's, this is what happened when the Roman Catholic Church went into these areas where they wanted to convert them. They would take them and they would ship them back to uh, Spain and in, in, in Rome to, to prove that they were converting the heathens and they were converting the natives. Uh, it, was a, it was a gross practice, um, but it was something that happened during the early times when they were settling or conquering different places. So they partnered with local uh, folklore and uh, local idols. Everybody say idols. Well, everybody say idols. idols. There you go. Wow, you guys can follow directions. Everybody say idols. idols. There we go. That's what I'm talking about. So uh, it, it's important that you recognize what is an idol. I, I, I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something. You got to be careful what you're worshiping. Listen to me carefully. You need to be very careful what you're worshiping. Uh, God doesn't care uh, a lot uh, about uh, a lot of stuff he's able to bring to him, but he cares about who you're worshiping. He can't help you if you're worshiping demonic things, right? You got to come out. You got to be delivered, right? Then he can help you and straighten you out and get you right. So this prophetic utterance is Daniel's first foray, his first time, it would seem, into a spiritual vision. And then he has all of these that follow. Remember, Daniel was just the scribe. He was not the interpreter entirely of all these things. He interpreted enough of Nebuchadnezzar's dream for him to understand it was God. But we, he did not give us the definitions of all the things. We have had to discover what the iron was. We've had to discover what all the breastplate was and the head. And we had to discover. Now, Daniel does tell him about the head. Who he is, that's you, right? He said to Nebuchadnezzar. But we had to, we've had to surmise it and discover these other things. So, um, so the feet. And then we know that the rock, if I say the rock, we find this in Matthew 21. We're not going to go to it tonight, but we're going to talk about it at the end of our collection of series of Daniel chapter 2, 4, I'm sorry, 2, 7, 9, 11, and 12. So that will come back, and we'll come back. But the rock, right? Daniel saw the rock and it crushed the, the, the bottom, it crushed, it, it, the feet, and then the feet crumbled. The rest of the statue crumbled with it. And uh, there is a great revival happening, and there is a preparation. That's why we're here tonight. We're looking. How many want to be saved? Amen? How many want to be ready in the last day? Amen? This is what we're talking about. We're talking about the rock. So the return of Jesus is that rock, right? It destroys that image and we'll connect that in Revelation when we are to that point and we'll come back to that so let's very quickly look chapter 2 of Daniel historical context Brother Carl mentioned it briefly but the Israelites were in Babylonian captivity amen 
Um, a lot of you don't realize, but the Jews spent very little time not being slaves. Very little time not being slaves. Jesus was born into slavery. Did you ever realize that? He was born into slavery. They were slaves to Rome. They were um, um, in a place where they were working for Rome. They paid taxes to Rome. They were uh, uh, conquered people. Um, and this is what Jesus was born into. Here, Daniel is being born and, and brought into a place where the Babylonians are, 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 have conquered the Israelites. They have torn down their holy places. They have desolated all kinds of things. And we see here that Daniel is, is, is now in captivity with his brothers. And it occurs in the backdrop of the Babylonian exile um, and a period which the Jewish people were taken captive by King Nebuchadnezzar. So Nebuchadnezzar was not this, you know, hey, high five, man, he's a good guy. He was their slave master. He was their conquering king. They were hard on the Israelites. The Israelites built their cities. The Israelites built all of Egypt. Um, uh, the Israelites built the pyramids. The Israelites built the Sphinx. The Israelites built, they were slaves and they built all these things. As the same was true here in Babylonian times. Um, so this happened around 605 to, six, uh, to uh, 562 uh, BCE, before Christ. Um, and so this was 600 years before Christ came. And Daniel and his friends were among the elite of the, the Jewish people. So they were treated a little differently. They were scholars. They were people of name recognition. Um, and so they were treated a little differently. Not great, but a little better um, in the Babylonian courts. So they served the king in these places. They served the king in, in, uh, in these places to help uh, perpetuate the, the Babylonian thought process and its kingdom, Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. So Nebuchadnezzar reigns, and Nebuchadnezzar too is known for his military conquest. So the Israelites helped them procure weapons and build chariots and all this kind of stuff. And his monumental building project in Babylon featured the world-famous Hanging Gardens. The Israelites were the slaves that built the Hanging Gardens. And a lot of people don't recognize that, but it's absolutely historically factual. And um, it included the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. And this was supposedly one of the greatest feats of engineering that man has ever seen, uh, uh, to even to this day. Um, his dream that Nebuchadnezzar has um, is in Daniel 2. We just talked about it briefly. And it reflects the anxiety that Nebuchadnezzar had about his empire and the future of his empire and the succession of who would come after him. And would his empire continue on? You need to recognize that ancient kings were most worried about their continuation of the kingdom that they began. This was true of the Romans. This was true of Alexander. This was true of, uh, it doesn't matter what kingdom you're talking about. You look at the one kingdom that we have view of today, which is in England, and we can see how much care they take about the next successor in the kingdom, the next person in line, the next person. They protect them as if they are already king. So they, they protect this, this heir. And this was what Nebuchadnezzar was concerned about. But Nebuchadnezzar began to have these dreams. 
he began to have these dreams. The Bible says in chapter 2 that he had dreams with an S. It wasn't just one dream. It was many, many dreams. And these dreams would not allow him to sleep because it made him reflect and begin to think, what is going to happen to my empire? What's going on? Is somebody trying to warn me? Are the spirits trying to warn me? Remember, he had necromancers and he had, he had all these spirituals, uh, spiritualists that, were, uh, that worshipped uh, demonic things. And he was used to being entreated by spiritual things and them coming to him and soothsayers and predictions and, and they talk, talk to the dead and all these things. So he wasn't uh, like afraid or like, oh my goodness, I've never heard of, of these spiritual things. No, he was looking for this. That's why he turned to his uh, soothsayers. That's why he turned and said, do you know what I dreamed? Because he began to worry and have anxiety about, is this going to affect my kingdom? Am I going to be overthrown? Is my successor going to never come? And will it ever happen in my lifetime? So there was this great, Nebuchadnezzar was in this place of, so uh, the reason I'm telling you all this is because I want to set you down historically and let you see that Daniel didn't just all of a sudden, hey, Nebuchadnezzar had a bad dream last night. and uh, Yeah, I think I might, no, don't kill the guys. I got this. Uh, let's see here. One plus one equals two. That's not how this all went down. This was a very complex, very, very complex. Daniel, him going to them and saying, don't kill them. It was like, who are you, Daniel? I mean, who do you think you are telling the king not to kill somebody? He said he's going to kill. But somehow they got the message through to the king and he listened to Daniel because there was something of an unction. I'm going to tell you this right now that Nebuchadnezzar didn't know it, but he was feeling the unction of God and the Holy Spirit. And he was listening for something. He didn't know what he was listening for, but Daniel began to speak. And it's a beautiful uh, example of how God will make a way for you when you don't think you deserve it. It's above your pay grade. It's above whatever you have been born into. That God is a way maker. Someone shout amen. amen. And so we learn that all things are under the feet of Jesus. Right? We learn that God was in control. Nebuchadnezzar thought he was in control. But God was in control because he disturbed the sleep and the dream so badly of Nebuchadnezzar that he called out and began to search for something, listen to me, other than the normal things. He was like Hannah. He got sick of it and he fleeced God. He said, listen, I got to hear something, right? And, uh, and, and, and he, he talks uh, and they find out about Daniel. So Daniel goes away, right? We're going to look at, and, and Daniel begins to, uh, begins to come. So uh, Babylon, Babylonian kingdom was, uh, was in chaos. The, the soldiers were looking for these magicians and these enhancers and sorcerers and astrologers because they could not interpret. They, there was soldiers going out trying to gather them to kill them. And that included Daniel because he was a part of that factor in, in the society. He was one of the advisors. And uh, distressed by their inability to explain his dream, the king orders execution of all the wise men in Babylon. Daniel, a young Jewish exile who had been serving the king's court, hears this decree and requests time to interpret it. Please, don't kill them. Give me some time with my God. You, and you wonder if some of them were killed. Yeah, I, it doesn't. Yeah, we don't know that, but it's yeah. absolutely a possibility that some were put to death uh, before Daniel got to them. Uh, Daniel prays to God. Someone shout praise. praise. How many know that when you're in distress, you need to answer that it's not time to go see a soothsayer? 
then it's not time to go do a Ouija board with somebody. Uh, I'm going to talk about it. It's not time to read your horoscope. It's not time to hang a, a, a dream catcher in your room. Do you hear me tonight? We think and laugh about these things, but people turn to them. They want cheap, fast answers. And you can't get them. You've got to obey God's word. You've got to put away the uh, spiritual wickedness in high places. Are you hearing me today? You've got to put away the soothsayers. You've got to put away. Why? Because that, uh, you're not going to like it when I'm going to say, but it is unequivocally, absolutely, by the word of God, it is witchcraft. It is witchcraft. So we see this from the Old Testament to the New. When people played with these spirits, um, I have dealt with some things in my life. Um, being a pastor, you are... Am I okay tonight? Uh, being a pastor, you, you walk into some things that you don't even realize until you... I've been confronted by spirit, visible, visible visages of spiritual spirits in my bed and in my house. And uh, one time in, uh, in my uh, motorhome in uh, a campground in Florida where a visible visage of a, a spiritual being came and tried to intimidate me. Can I tell you something? It can do nothing but intimidate. It has no power. Just talk. It can just talk. I was taught a long time ago by a, a, a brother Billy Cole, who's if there was ever was a prophet that walked on this planet, he was a prophet man of God, and he taught me very early on not to, never never scream or be afraid. You can be shocked, right, because of its surprise, but never ever ever shriek or, or run away or, or kowtow or act intimidated by any spiritual, especially visible visages of, of spiritual things, right? He said because they, literally, they can do nothing but kick your tires. Uh, they can, they, it's a lion with no teeth, man. He can growl all day long, gum you hard, right? I had a dog when we were first married. My wife had a dog, and it had no teeth, and it loved to come up and and just bite me, you know, and it was just like, wow, that's a nice massage, you know, that's a, you know, uh, had no, no, no bite, had a lot of bark, no bite, uh, and you got to recognize with the, with the enemy, come on now, someone say amen, I hear your, I feel you out there, you're saying, pastor, I don't want no visitation from no visage, from no spiritual stuff, no, no, I, uh, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be like, Help me, Jesus. <laughs> Get me away from that. And I don't blame you. Uh, it wasn't fun. But I'm going to tell you, it was one of the better things. That it, God allowed it to show me what I was dealing with. Right? I was dealing with a, a horrible situation. And I come to find out that uh, what the Lord showed me, it, it wasn't. It, it was not from the devil. It was from God showing me the spirit that I was going to have to deal with. And the Lord revealed that to me. I called Brother Super and said, man, this happened to me last night. He goes, yeah. I'm like, what do you mean? He said, I felt it. He said, but I want to warn you that that's not, that's not the devil. That's God trying to show you what you're fixing to deal with. And sure enough, three days later, I dealt with it. Um, and I was like, okay. By the way, Jonathan Suber is a prophet man of God as well. Um, and, and that really helped me. Uh, as a pastor, as a, as a Christian, to understand there's going to be things that you dream that are going to be troubling. Don't automatically assume they're from the devil. Maybe God's trying to shake your bars, trying to wake you up 
So try the Spirit and see what it's all about. Someone say amen. Amen. So uh, let me just continue here in chapter 2 of Daniel. Um, the king orders the execution, but now Daniel is praying to God, and the ministry of the dream is revealed to him in a vision. Everybody say dream, dream. versus vision. The Bible tells us that he had a night vision. It's very different from a dream. I brought this up last week. It's very different than a dream. A dream is something that is a part of your, your consciousness. It's a part of, of your experience. It's a part of... Have you ever watched like a, a, a TV show and then you dreamt about it all night long? Right? You fought the bad guy and you tied him up and you... Right? Uh, you know, it happens all the time, right? That's why I don't watch action movies at night because I don't want to fight all night. And I don't want to run all night. And I don't want to, you know, I, I'm, you know, I watch something, you know, like, you know, something stupid uh, so I don't ha I have to think about it. Um, but it, it's so true, right? We're influenced. Nebuchadnezzar had a dream because of what he was experiencing. You hear me? And so God allowed him to dream. The dream was come forth. But Daniel had a night vision, very different. It was purposeful. It was from God. Ever say purpose? And it was from God. So we learn that uh, in this passage. And we can see that he goes on to Nebuchadnezzar and explains the dream. And it was a divine revelation. And it concerned the future of not only his kingdom, but kingdoms to come. So Nebuchadnezzar was right in thinking, this is, this, something's going on. Uh, his anxiety was off the chart. Something's happening. I'm not seeing it. I'm, my, my sorcerers are not being able to tell me. So let's go on to the next slide. So we find that Nebuchadnezzar's dream was very straightforward. The statue. I'm going to say the statue. We, see it, uh, we saw it a few minutes ago. We're going to see it again in a second. The dream features a great statue with a head of fine gold. I'm going to say fine gold. Now, I don't know if you know the difference between gold and fine gold, but if you watch any of these gold shows, you'll see that when they get it out of the ground, it's gold. But when they refine it and they pull all the dross off of it, all of the stuff that doesn't belong in gold, all of the impurities, they pull that off, right? And now it's called fine gold. So the gold we're talking about is not something that got dug out of the earth. It's got something that has been refined. Something that has been uh, uh, thought about and refined. So we look and see that it's a, a head of fine gold, a chest and arms of silver. If I say silver, a belly and thighs of what? Bronze. If I say bronze, legs of iron and feet partly of iron and partly of clay, partly of baked clay. And then we know that there was the stone, a stone not cut by human hands. These are the facts of Daniel, not cut by human hands. It strikes the statue. It shatters it into pieces. The stone then becomes a great mountain that fills the entire earth. There's so much uh, uh, there in that, uh, in that passage. And that, uh, uh, not to surprise you, but uh, that's Jesus and the kingdom of God being established on the earth. And we'll talk more about that later. So let's review this very quickly ahead. That was Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, you are the head. He tells Nebuchadnezzar, whatever you have, whatever you command, it's yours, right? It's all yours. And uh, you're a head of gold. And then it, it, it decreases. I want you to notice the, the, how that as we get closer to the rock coming and destroying the statue, how it values drops. It, the value of the statue 
begins to drastically drop because we go from fine gold, not just gold, fine gold, to silver. I don't know about you, but I've sold a little silver and I've sold a little gold. And you get a lot more money for gold. Can I get an amen? So there was something about the Medes and the Persians. We know that the Medes and the Persians, we'll talk more about that and how we know they're connected to this period of time. And this sight that he saw in the night vision. And then we get to the belly of bronze. And, and now we're even in a less, lesser metal. And, um, and it's the Grecian Empire under the, the command of Alexander the Great. Um, then we get the legs of iron. By the way, Alexander the Great, um, I don't know if you know this, but he conquered Ephesus when, um, when Anthony and Cleopatra was in Ephesus. Cleop Anthony and Cleopatra, the Roman Empire emperor, had conquered Ephesus and... In this moment, the Alexander the Great decides that, no, I, 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 I don't just want your city, I want your woman. And uh, so Alexander the Great came and he conquered and um, he, he conquered Ephesus, which is current in Turkey today. I've been there. I've, I've seen uh, Ephesus being rebuilt over and over and over again after these conquerings and these, these things that happened. But he never got the woman, right? Cleopatra ran off with, uh, with uh, Anthony back to Rome. Um, and uh, that's why if you go to Rome today, you see all of these obelisks that are in all these statues all over Rome that are not Roman. They are Egyptian. And you see the Egyptian influence. That's why you see in our nation's capital, the Washington Monument is simply an obelisk from the Egyptian period. It's, it was built in, in a, a reverence, and you may not know that, but it's true. You'll also find in your dollar bill that there's a triangle that is a, uh, what? It's, <laughs> it's a pyramid, right? Which is what? <laughs> Egyptian. And uh, we could go in, on and on about some things there. But it is intertwined with most governments, this, um, this Egyptian influence and its... Um, and it's, it's witchcraft. Um, I'm just going to put it plainly. <laughs> and so we can, we can talk more about that at a later time. Very good, interesting stuff. So we look and see that the interpretation, we talked about the head of gold. What does it represent? And it's to the best of my ability, I'm just going to offer this to you and then we can, we can have a discussion. It represents Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, Babylon. So Daniel's dreams were for the present... You hear me? And they were for the future. So Daniel dreamt things, interpreted them, and many of these dreams were for the current time that he was in. Not all of these dreams, right, were meant for the end times. So there's elements within them that are meant for the end times. But he was speaking directly to Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon for that moment in that time here in chapter 2. He was trying to tell him in a dream what was coming. And we can see later the other dreams that he had. We know the writing on the wall, uh, right? We know all the things that happened there in Babylon with Daniel. And um, so Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, Babylon, uh, it signifies its greatness, but also its temporary nature, right? Um, if you've ever watched these shows about bringing gold up from, you know, uh, you'll know that gold is very, very uh, soft. It's one of the softest metals in the world, right? It's very, very, you, 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 it's super, super soft. You can heat it just a little bit and it becomes pliable. 
um, pure gold. I'm talking about 24 karat gold. Um, uh, most of the gold that we wear is either 10 to 18, depending on uh, what you have. But it's, it's much harder because it has uh, alloys that are added in with the gold, and it makes it a much harder metal. The gold is very soft, and it's very heavy. It's very heavy. Um, and it can, you can burn gold up. You can dissipate gold. You can, it can be, like, lost in, in, in a fire uh, in that it becomes... Uh, like ash, it, it can, you know, it's, it's very interesting if you heat it too hot. Um, so it's, it can be temporary. Go ahead. No, I didn't. It can be temporary in its nature, right? Silver, bronze, iron, and clay. Now these, these all symbolize different things as well. They symbolize the successive kingdoms that came after Babylon. So they become weaker, right? But they also show the succession from Babylon Medes and the Persians, these are all elements that came out of the Babylonian uh, Empire. Uh, they are often interpreted as the, the, the Medes and the Persians. You know, that's uh, Iraq and Iran uh, today, the Medes and the Persians. Um, uh, there's others in there, but it's mostly Iraq and Iran today um, is, is what is a represent. That doesn't mean it's from today, but I'm just saying the Medes and the Persians were in that area of the world. The Greek Empire under Alexander the Great, bronze. Um, and the Roman Empire, iron, which was um, something that they were known for. The Bronze Age, we can talk about that uh, and how it may relate. I'm not sure it does, but some people think it does. The feet of iron and clay represent the divided kingdom, the divided, suggesting a mix of strength and fragility. Uh, it meant a mix of, of this great Roman Empire and the church, um, which was uh, just being formed. Um, this is a time frame that um, it really was coming to life. The Catholic Church was born, hear me, was born out of the Roman Empire. Okay? The church did not start itself and then join. The Roman Empire was here and said, oh wait, Constantine says, we're getting weak. We need, to, we need the Christians. We need there to be a cause for us to continue. And we have none. Right, and so that's why that they took the cross, they took Christ, and and they uh, used him for a purpose of conquering and controlling people. They took away the Bibles. Soon after that, we know that the Dark Ages came. Um, they removed all literature. They burned books. They wanted everybody ignorant. They didn't want you to know God's word because they wanted to create their own religion, their own truths. And uh, this is uh, an important factor. So uh, the stone. How many are thankful for the stone? Amen. The rock. Huh? How many are thankful for the rock, Christ Jesus? Amen? Amen? Represents God's kingdom. That's you and me. We are the ones. Hear me tonight. In this last hour, the church. Everybody say the church. We are the ones that will, through our witness and through our praise and our worship and our standing in the gap, it will be us that breaks and crushes the kingdom under the banner of the Lord Jesus Christ with him when he comes back again. And that's where we uh, can connect you into um, what happens in, in Revelations at a later date. Um, but this is, is important. So uh, let's go uh, one more slide. The statue, I want to go just a little deeper here. I, I take you, I'm trying to take you successively into a deeper. Each part of the statue represents a different kingdom, right? We understand that. 
You know, the Medes and the Persians and the Greeks and all that. The sequence of gold to clay signifies, a de- I already said this, but a, de- a decrease in splendor, right? Glory and instability, money, over time. It shows that the kingdoms of this world will decrease and the kingdom of our Lord and Christ will increase. Hallelujah. And it shows it successively. And we know that throughout the history of the world, this is exactly what happened. One of the things that America needs to realize is that we're only 200 years old and, and we live in a different time. But no society has sustained itself forever. The Roman Empire is no longer the Roman Empire as we knew it in that day. The Greek, the Greek Empire is nowhere near. It's a, a whisper of itself than what it was in the day of Alexander the Great. No great, the Medes and the Persians, the, the, the Huns, and the, you can go down the list of all of the great empires of the world. They are no longer, they raise and they die. And that's the essence of what happens here. We know for a fact that the name of the Lord and the kingdom of our Christ, it will never, ever decrease. It will only increase. And I'm thankful for that, that promise and that knowledge. Someone say amen. Amen. So the gold, Babylon, wealth, absolute power, temporary. Silver, inferior to gold, right? Significant uh, and signifies that the emperor's wealth, but it's also eventually declines from gold to silver. From gold to silver, there's a big decline. Bronze symbolizes strength and a far-reaching conquest, yet not everlasting. We know that Alexander the Great was one of the greatest warrior leaders in the world, and he conquered so many lands. But he's not in charge today, and none of his heirs are in charge. And none of because why? Because time, time. Everybody shout time. God is the creator of time. He is time, right? And he knows that you may rise against me, but I shall outlast you. And I will prevail um, the name of the Lord. Strength, iron-fisted rule. The Romans were brutal. They were ugly. They were mean. Uh, but they were also brittle. They were brittle because of their immorality. Listen to me carefully. Our society today mirrors Rome more than we would like to accept. Rome died because it became so casual with its own rules and its own laws. It became so immorally inept. You think what's going on here in this planet, all that is happening in different communities and the sin that we see around, you think, oh my God, it's the worst I've ever seen. Well, it's not the worst God's ever seen by a long shot, right? The Syrians used to take people that, and they would skin them alive in front of everybody just to make sure you knew they were mean, right? For no good reason. They'd skin people alive. That was the norm, right? Uh, think about the people that died in the, in the Colosseum. I've stood in the Colosseum. And it's given me chill bumps and tears in my eyes thinking about all those that profess Christ that died in that Colosseum for sport. For people going to a football game, so to speak. Right? And it was a, a disgusting society. Uh, that, you know, uh, you know, families were inbred. They slept with their mothers and their sisters. And I mean, I'm talking about gross, uh, gross darkness. So God's not surprised right now at our society. <laughs> he's like, oh, here we go again, right? That's where he's at. Um, and but here's the cool part: that society died, but God didn't die. He still rules and reigns. And that's the hope that we have, that we are not dictated by our society or our government. We are dictated by the Holy Spirit and the kingdom of God. Someone shout in Jesus' name. So that is our hope. That is our hope. 
Iron clay, the divided kingdoms, represents the future divided kingdom, as strong yet fragile, possibly alluding to the Roman or the Holy Roman Empire, the division or more um, ecologically uh, or um, eschatology uh, in time interpretations. We'll deal with that at a different time. Of course, the divine kingdom of God destroys. Or shout, he destroys. How many believe that the name of Jesus destroys the yoke of Satan? Wow, that was really weak. Wow. Church online, I'm not sure I'm at the right place. I, am I next door? I think I should be here. Am, I think, am I in apostolic faith? How many believe the blood of Jesus conquers everything? Amen? Well, there you go. We're alive again. Wow, there you go in Jesus' name. Um, uh, yes, it does. You should be not just excited, but confirmed in your faith that you say, hey, I know that no matter what I'm going through, God is going to outlast this thing. How many know that and believe that? Amen. God's word's going to be there at the end. And, um, and so I want you to, to understand. One last, 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 uh, second to last slide. I want to read this to you. The last uh, two verses in Daniel chapter 2 and verse, uh, verse 46. The, then the king, this is after Daniel had um, interpreted the dream and, and told him all that was going to happen. And this is what happened. Listen, this is an important factor to the next part of understanding Nebuchadnezzar's actions. So when we, we talk about it in chapter 4 and chapter 7. Here we go. Um, or chapter 7, not chapter 4. Chapter 7, I'll get it right. Um, uh, the Bible says, and then what? Nebuchadnezzar, read it with me. Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face. He encountered something he had never encountered before. Prostrate before Daniel and commanded that they should present an offering and incense. He thought that Daniel was like another soothsayer. He thought he was a sorcerer. And he began to worship Daniel. You've got to be careful. Listen to me. As a pastor, I get people telling me all the time, Oh man, that was a really good sermon. Text me. Oh pastor, you're the best. And I'm like, yeah, this is so good. Yes, amen. Hallelujah. Amen, I'm so good. I can preach. Yes, I'm so... Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Give me the babies. I'll kiss them. You know, and we get puffed up in our heads. We get puffed up in our spirit. And a lot of guys start out meaning well, but they end up with a, with a self-righteous spirit. And I'm here to tell you that it's a temptation for every person, especially ministries that walk on this planet, because we get the praise of men. We get the praise of men and women. And the Bible tells us that, that, that you, can't, you can't allow this into your heart, in your life. So what happens? Daniel is like, yeah, no. The king answered, Daniel, and said, uh, and the king answered, Daniel, and said, truly, your God is the God of, of what? Gods. And the Lord of kings and the revealer of secrets, since you could reveal this secret. How many knows that it wasn't Daniel that revealed the secret? <laughs> How many knows that Daniel's like, no, no, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's not me, it's him. It's him. And that should be our position in our life. So what does Daniel chapter 2 teach us? It teaches us one thing important, and that is there is a world that God knows about, that he's not afraid of, he's not intimidated, intimidated by. There are kingdoms that raise up against him and his Christ. There are kingdoms that have raised up in this hour against the church and all that is righteous and holy. 
But there is a God that knows this. He foresaw this. And he made a way where there seemeth no way. The, the, the key for you and I out of Daniel chapter 2 for living right now in this hour is that God will outlast every earthly kingdom. And no matter what I'm facing, whether it be cancer or bankruptcy or it doesn't matter, that the kingdom of God will rise up and God will be glorified if I will let him be glorified in my life. Daniel 2 is a dream that you and I can relate to. There is a kingdom of our world. I was thinking about this today in close. I was thinking about this as, as a young man. I watched my grand. They're sending me pictures of my grandbabies. Oh my God, if I showed the pictures of, of what they sent me today, it's just like, it's like, Jesus help me all the way because it is so adorable. And, and it's like, I, I've got to show you. Um, um, it, because it was like I, I couldn't do my Bible study. It like stopped me in my tracks because my grandbaby, I mean, look at this face. I mean, look at this face. When you see it, you're going to know why I'm saying this. Look at this face. She is, she is, oh, look at this. I, I mean, seriously. I, I mean, seriously. I mean, seriously. I mean, seriously. I mean, if there's if there is a God, it's it's combined in my two well my three granddaughters. They're absolutely amazing and adorable. And uh, nobody else sent me pictures today, so I'm showing this one. Uh, so you know, uh, but this is this is the triumph of God in my life, right? This is Him showing Himself strong to me because I know what it's taken to get here, right? They couldn't have kids, it, miscarriage after miscarriage, and yet God gave them a baby. And we had prayed and believed and God made a way. And I love the parents acknowledge that in, in beautiful ways. And this is God's child, right? Because I know there's a king <laughs> seated in heaven. I know there's a king that rules over all the earth. I know there's a name that's above every name. I know at that name, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. So guess what? Cancer has to bow and bankruptcy has to bow and depression has to bow. In all the schisms and isms of this world, they will bow because the kingdom of God and his Christ will never end. It will never go away. Daniel teaches us in a very simple, simple dream that says the kingdoms of this world will come. They'll look bright and shiny, but they will decrease. The kingdom of our Christ, it will never go away. It will be forever. Someone shout amen. amen. Woo! I feel the Holy Ghost for the car. When Daniel was come on, tell them. When Daniel was praising God after he got the revelation, he's, he was thanking the Lord for a God who can change times. Yes. Seasons. Yes. A revealer of secrets. It, it's real that section of scripture right there is just enough to memorize just good stuff <laughs> yes really really good stuff really good stuff okay really good stuff oh, she's so adorable okay um so uh we know that uh yes brother carl whatever he said was right um and uh <laughs> so uh next week will be daniel seven now again uh, I don't know if you want to put that up, but anyway, can you still see me? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm glad. I know you can see me, but can they see me? <laughs> but I, I want again to emphasize, so we studied Daniel. You heard last week and this week. We kind of put it in a cocoon this week. And we're going to go now to Daniel chapter 7. We're going to do the same thing. 
And we're going to do chapter 9, do the same thing. We're going to look at the facts of that chapter. And then at the end of that time, we're going to bring all these together and then allow them to be bridged into Revelation so that you have a clear view. How does Daniel affect Revelation? I want to read to you one passage before we go, and that's in Matthew. Matthew, Matthew. Uh, Matthew. Isn't she adorable? Oh my God. I know. It's just like, sh- she's so adorable. Um, Matthew. Uh, let, let, let's look here. Uh, uh, let, me, let me see if I can, can, can give this to you very quick. In verse 15. Therefore... Verse, uh, this is Matthew 24, Jesus talking. Um, here in, I can't blow it up enough for you to see it. Um, uh, then when you see the abomination of desolation, which we're going to talk about, that's, that's here in Daniel. We're going to see this abomination of desolation, I think in chapter 9, correct? Um, uh, it's in chapter 9. We're going to see this uh, event, and uh, it's not just one event. I think it's multiple events, but we will talk about that. But here's what Jesus says. He says, when you see, he's talking about the last days. When you see the abomination of uh, desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place. And then he says, whosoever reads, let him understand. And, And what he's saying to us is, I want you to read Daniel so that you can understand what I'm trying to tell you. And so that's why we're studying Daniel. Because Jesus commanded us to look at Daniel so that we could understand fully what he was trying to say to us in Matthew 24 about the last days and have greater understanding about the revelation of Jesus Christ and revelations. So that's why we are in the book of Daniel. Okay, anybody have questions? Anybody have questions? Oh, you can almost see it. <laughs> What's that? Or comments. Or comments. Uh, you got, go ahead, yes. Well, I find it interesting when you say it this way that since Jesus, you know, was talking to these people. They didn't have the book of Revelation. That hadn't come yet. No. And so he's telling them to Daniel. And Daniel, as I said last week, God does not speak directly there. He's indirectly. So he gave the king something he laid on his heart. Right. As you said that earlier. And then Daniel come out and all that. Daniel, to me, feels like the ABCs of, of prophecy when it comes to Revelation. And Revelation is the X, Y, Z. No, I, I don't disagree with that whole, uh, because Jesus tells us that, you know, uh, D- Daniel. We need to read Daniel in order to have a greater understanding of what Jesus was saying in 24 of Matthew. And then, of course, understanding that, he points us to Revelations. Um, we need it to, and, to, to get it. And, and it's called, I think, it's, Daniel's the foundation of understanding. Reading Revelations is good. Uh, he that readeth it, right? The Bible tells us that we're, it's a good thing. Uh, but reading Revelations without having read and, and have an understanding. Remember, knowledge is not what we're after. We're after the understanding of knowledge. Let me say it again. We're not just after knowledge. We're after the understanding. How many know that people have book smarts and know they're, they're useless in the real world? Oh, yeah. Am I, I've met several of these people, right? Good people, great people. You can quote to you all the textbooks you want to hear. Get them in the real world, they have no idea what they're doing. It's because they don't have that, uh, that ability to translate from the book to the street, right? And we need to, to be able to translate from the book to the street, right? And have not just a knowledge, reading, 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 and studying, but Understanding, Give us, Lord, understanding. Give us revelation. Can you say revelation? revelation? Some people want something, but they will never get it without relationship, which leads to revelation, right? Um, I told somebody today, it's like a secret handshake. 
There's some things you will not understand about God until you get into his inner chamber with him. Prayer. And he reveals himself to you. Amen? Prayer. That's Prayer. right. Prayer. You you come talk to him for him to talk to you. That's right. Amen. The Anybody more you talk point? to him, the more he'll talk to you. But, uh, Brother Terrell, did you bring me a book tonight? Yep. Sister Misha, can you bring it to me for a second? Uh, do you mind? Amen. Sister Misha's been texting me all week. And I, I almost asked her to teach tonight and have Brother Laurent, um, Brother Laurent uh, teach. Uh, um, the reason I want to show you these is um, they're, really, they're really good. Uh, as that, no, that, I, I want that. That's what I want. These, good, these amazing people. How many love the Terrells? Amen? Amen. Well, if you don't, don't say anything, okay? <laughs> um, but uh, these are some, the Book of Daniel by Clarence Larkin, right? It's an illustrated, um, it's an illustrated book. Um, it's really, um, it has a lot of great information. It's not illustrated, but it, uh, well, it says it's, okay, it says it is <laughs> on the front. It says illustrated. Anyway, great information, right? This is from Clarence Larkin. And then this is End Time Prophecy. This is from uh, Elder Larry Clifton, um, who I have uh, listened to before, good man of God. Um, but it's, it's prophetic, right? Uh, Brother Carl has... A lot of Brother uh, Irvin Baxter's material, right? Uh, we also have uh, Dispensational Truth or God's Purpose and Plan in the Ages. This is also Clarence Larkin. And I think that there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of, of charts that we were talking about. Um, I almost brought some charts like this, but um, the lines, I get like anxiety about them. Um, <laughs> I'm like, what line am I on now? <laughs> I spend more time looking at the lines than I do teaching the Bible. But uh, they're cool charts if you have time to sit and study them, right? They're very cool. Um, I have them. Um, I have a big, big banner uh, book that goes across my wall that uh, has all this on it, which I love to put up every once in a while. I've got about 50 of them. Yeah. In a box. Wow. They're about he, this big. So Brother Carl has is, is got way more than all of us. <laughs> they're, they're all the same. And they're all no, the no, same. no, no. It's Brother fun. Carl is flexing his prophetic muscle right now. He's like, I've, I've got more books and prophetic words than you do. I'm like, wow. Okay. Well, I told you, man. He's my hero. And so, uh, but anyway, why do we bring those? She brought those to me tonight. I really appreciate this adding to my library. Um, and, uh, no, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> um, these are their books. But I, I really love things. Here's what, here's what I love. When I study a passage of Scripture, I don't read just one version, right? I read the NIV. I read the King James, the New King James, the New Living Translation. I read, why? Because I'm really studying the passage. I want to know from multiple angles what this sounds like, looks like. And then I always go back to Young's literal translation, right? Because Young's literal translation is just that. It is literally translated like, so it doesn't, it doesn't, it sounds disjointed when you read it many, many times because it's written in the original, right? So it's translated directly. It doesn't, doesn't clean it up at all. And so I always go back to the Young's because that tells me in the original, right? So that's my measuring stick. But I think it's important to read those others' perspectives to give you a broader understanding of what you're reading. The same is true about the book of Daniel, about the book of Revelations, about anything you study. You should study it from multiple angles to get well-rounded. I don't listen to any one author because they're authors, they're humans, they're, you know, they're people, right? I always go by the Word of God, right? But I include them in my thought process or in my reading so that I get a broader view and a better-rounded view. Amen? Any questions about that? 
Amen. Thank you, Brother Laurent, for bringing those in tonight. Sister Misha, I appreciate it so very much. Anybody else have a comment or a question? Amen. You have a comment, question? Come on. Yeah, I do have like a question. Yeah, come on. Um, so before, you said that there was a scale, and you said that the statue from gold all the way to its feet was the decline of human civilization. Correct. The rock uh, destroys the kingdom of man. The, the systems doesn't destroy man. It destroys. Remember, all these kingdoms were systems by which the Holy Roman Empire is a system of, of, of government. All these governments, it destroyed and created and, and set up the, the, the government of Christ, you know, the kingdom. So during this time um, of, of this particular chart, we could go, there's, there is a, huh? I'd say it's the rock. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're part of the rock. We're part of the rock, absolutely. The body of Christ. Right. And I can take you through a chart <laughs> that can show you, like, you know, the different ages. Um, we talked about this today. Uh, the different ages of, like, gold and bronze and and the different representations and the time frames in which we think they they match up, right? We may do that at a later time um, uh, when we get closer to revelations. But the church is part of that. We are, how many believe Christ lives in us? Amen? So by him living in us, we are. he is a part of us and we are a part of him. So uh, that rock would include us, the church, the bride of Christ. That would include us. And coming back... I see that rock, you know, that rock is, is him coming back and, and dispersing. We can say, there's some that say at Armageddon, there's some, and we can go, uh, you know, throughout the list of different ideas, what people think. I, I personally think it is when, when he comes back with us behind him, with right robes, writing, and we, uh, he sets his foot on the Mount of Olives, and, and we, we defeat uh, Satan and all the armies of man um, with him. Amen. He defeats them. We're just riding along for the show. Um, uh, but um, that's when I believe the rock is coming. The rock comes. It destroys all systems of government. The Antichrist, it destroys all those one world government. It destroys the... And that's how the millennial reign is set up because now all things have been put under the... the the feet of Jesus, he is in control, he is in command, and he sets up his government, the Bible tells us. And his government is set up for a millennial, for a thousand years, right? Um, before the white throne judgment. Before Satan is loosed for a moment, then the white throne judgment. And then eternity after that. So, um, it's, it's part of the beginning of the end, that rock, to crush the systems that man um, um, have. Yeah, it's too complex. I have... Like I said, a bunch of these. So maybe next uh, yeah, bring them. time you I'll bring them away. Them. You want to clean out your basement? Yeah. yeah that <laughs> can, sounds like it's have a, a good copy idea. Yeah, they, I, I, like that. I would like a copy. Okay. I've got one, but I... I, I, uh, I got a ton of I would like. Well, man, bring that ton right here. Amen. All right, we're done. In Jesus' name, thank you for watching. I'll see you next. Well, I'll see you on Sunday. We're going to have a great day with Jesus. 1035, amen?